Birds with Friends is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. And what's even better is that it is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. to your mother it's time for another episode of birds with friends just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the eagles eating teams like bacon steaks and cheese it's philadelphia bow and shield in the cut picking it cooler than two penguins till bow's old arch nemesis greg cosell shows up and it gets real pull up a branch and chill it's time to get ill with some birds with friends the early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends and shukapati are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. Now I'm gonna have the rest of my life with these kids. Wow. Get, we gotta get that in a drop uh, immediately. Edit that one out. That didn't come out quite. There's no editing. No, no editing yeah, on this that's podcast. That's the wonderful of Birds with Friends. No editing. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a beautiful Tuesday afternoon in an undisclosed location. I am here. And Zach Berman and Shilka Padia are there. And let me start off by saying that I am a husband and a father. And Zach is a husband and a father. And Sheil is a husband and a father. And that means, from what I understand, we can do no wrong. Is that correct? What's the reference? Yeah, what are you talking about? Are we talking about the Astros? Yeah, we're talking about the Astros guy. Yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, I wasn't sure because I didn't read the latest, but uh, like it, you know, it takes. It takes a certain kind of person to really irk me, to really you know, like make me be on the other Hold side. Hold on a second. You're, everybody irks you. No, but to, everybody annoys me. Okay. But like to really like, uh, like I hope that uh, like I'm rooting so hard against that team. I hope <laughs> that guy's professional career is a failure. And uh, yeah, really disgusting. Uh, yeah. You're pathetic. Thank you. I agree. I don't even know his name. I just learned his name this morning. No, he, he, his name doesn't matter, you know. So, good. I'm glad we're all on the same page on that. That was a very esoteric reference, though. Like, <laughs> like you had to be so up to date that, 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 that you've read this, the second statement that the asterisk I think that I think that I, I assume that a, a large majority of our listeners are very online people. Um, although, True. you know, maybe they're I, not I listening did, to this I right did in read the it. midst I, of... Yeah, it was the cross-sport reference that I I wasn't uh, ready for at that moment. Well, coming up on the show today, we will talk about a three and four football team, uh, some roster transactions. Some at least the Eagles aren't walking around doing that, right? <laughs> well, Look at the that's true. That's true. Look at the bright side. Yeah. Is that threshold. <laughs> that's the threshold. They haven't brought in um, Greg Hardy, so there you go. Uh, let's let's start with uh, Bird on the Street. And Zach, you were there at the Novacare Complex today for the press conferences for the offensive and defensive coordinators. Tell us what you heard from them and then also what you heard from Doug Peterson yesterday. Well, why don't we do the coordinators first and then we'll talk a little bit more about Doug after. Yes, yeah, so uh, with the coordinators, uh, Jim Schwartz's case, there was a lot of filibustering. 
as you can imagine. Um, he mentions so Sidney Jones specifically. Uh, that was the first question today about Sidney Jones not getting in the game. Sidney Jones was the backup slot last week. Uh, Craig James was the backup guy on the outside. So if something were to happen to Skandrick in theory, um, Jones would have gone in. Now something did happen to Skandrick <laughs> here. Uh, they cut him. And so Jones could potentially be the slot. Do you buy that? Do you Bills. buy that for the thing on the outside? Uh, no. Okay. But, well, no. <laughs> I mean, he's I, practiced I, I, on the I outside believe, before. It's not like yeah, it's a hard like, transition. No, and, and I do buy that with Mills back and they're getting Darby back that uh, that they probably want to get Jones ready for the slot. Uh, my, my guess is that's where they're going to need the depth, at least in the short term here, until Avante and Cravon are back. So I, I get that, but it's not as if all of a sudden I can see them saying, all right, Sidney, you know, just focus on the slot um, when he wasn't the starter there. And in that case, they could have had Sidney Jones over Skandrick. I mean, it, it wasn't like Skandrick was – to their liking enough that they viewed him as, as like this long-term piece. They cut him the next day. So, uh, but, but that's their explanation for why Sidney Jones didn't get into the game. Uh, now, now I don't know. I don't think we're going to do a full squall 22 because I'm at about the six minute mark of the, uh, second quarter. But I can tell you that uh, Orlando Scantrick, I mean, my gosh, I don't <laughs> know what he, what he's doing out there. Really, I mean, now you can really see why no one had signed this guy. The flip to Tavon Austin, I mean, Skandrick just looks like somebody uh, underneath the stadium at AT AT&T Stadium has, like, magnets to the bottom (laughs) of his cleats and is not letting him, like, change direction. I mean, come on. That that was unbelievable. And then uh, the other, the 15-yard completion to Randall Cobb that set up the touchdown, which, you know, actually was a big play. The Eagles were in the game at that time. I mean, they're in a zero blitz in that spot and he's playing it with uh, outside leverage. Like he's got a safety in the middle of the field. I mean, you rarely will see a guy that far off. I don't know. I was actually curious if he didn't get the call because it looks like he didn't get the call and thought that there was going to be a safety in the middle of the field. I mean, you don't see a player playing like that much separation in the red zone is uh is unbelievable if if you watch it on the coach's film so uh you know i i i will let you continue zach but that was like one of my big uh my big takeaways from the first whatever uh however long i watched 24 minutes or whatever good observation uh yeah so so that was the topic of of conversation and then just uh just the state of the defense in the locker room earlier was talking to Malcolm Jenkins and uh, it was brought up to Malcolm like last year they were in this position or it's not the same position. They were what four and six last year. Uh, But uh, Malcolm referenced how they had to change their scheme on both sides of the ball on offense. Obviously Nick Foles went in and then on defense uh, because of their personnel, he said they simplified the back end and then just let their defensive linemen eat, which is something we've discussed. That was kind of their plan in the backstretch of the season. And he said they're in a different situation this year because their defensive line is thin. And then he said, and we're also playing some young linebackers, and uh, we have some injuries at cornerback. And so then I, my follow-up to Malcolm was, you literally just mentioned every me- 
every uh, level of the defense. And he was kind of like, yeah, that's that's the situation we're in right now. We can't complain about it. You know, it is what it is. Uh, We just need to find a way to win with what we have. That's that's kind of essentially what he said. And and so I, I think that was kind of illuminating on where the defense is right now. And, uh, and Schwartz mentioned third downs, um, the penalties on third downs. He, he said how he had the game on in the background last night when he was working. He's a football guy, so he was working late on Monday night. And, uh, and he said that he keeps seeing flags on the field. And it's not that you don't want to be aggressive, but players need to be cognizant that it's third down. Um, so that's something that uh, stood out. Uh, a defensive tackle. Uh, he kind of acknowledged that, you know, they need to get these guys ready quick. They've gone from, they, they have three healthy defensive tackles right now. And two of them have never played an NFL game before. <laughs> well, uh, Anthony Rush had one walkthrough practice of training camp. So he, he's, he's a pretty easy <laughs> so uh, he knows transition the into the scheme. Yeah. 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 Uh, but Jim Schwartz loved the way Jalen Mills competed. Um, I think you guys would be happy to know that, uh, it was, it was pointed out afterwards by a, another reporter just how excited jim schwartz was to mention uh jalen mills's competitiveness the other day well yeah there was the one play that i did get through was jalen mills gave up like the he lost at the catch point to Mari cooper it would have been like a 24 yard completion down the right sideline i don't know if it would have been a touchdown but near the goal line and there was a holding on like tyron smith and, and it that, was uh, oh go ahead are you talking about he, the one that was also a PI? Oh, was it also a PI? Oh, was, oh yeah, it was a PI on Cooper also, right? Yes. Wait, who was it? And then, oh, okay. but but, right. but okay. the replay makes it look like Mills was like totally flailing. And but anyway, I, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, it, it it was just funny that he was finger wagging on uh, <laughs> even a play like that. It gets me every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that that's right stood because out. I remember that because he was doing he was doing that because he he knew that he had drawn the. Of the offensive pass interference. Call. I think that's the same play, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's okay. down at like yeah, down at like the two yard line or something. Yeah, yeah. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Mike Grow contends that they're still close on deep balls. And actually, if you watch the games, they're literally close on deep balls. They're not catching them, but they're close <laughs> to them. Um, but uh, that's my addition to Mike Grow's statement. That's that uh, uh, Mike Grow didn't use the uh, literally line, but. Said they're close, you know, in in his uh, coach speak. Nelson Aguilar, he defended Nelson Aguilar, um, said anyone who questions Nelson Aguilar's effort, um, you know, uh, is basically for five years this, this, this guy's been working, doing everything they've asked him to do. Nelson uh, was by his locker today, ready to answer questions, um, explained the situation, um, said that he tracked the ball too late, that uh, if he had to do it over again, you know, he was spending – he, he, he would have kind of tracked the ball sooner, worried less about uh, kind of faking out the corner and the safety there, um, but that he's a professional who, who's tough, who works hard, uh, that effort is, is not the issue with him. Um, that was uh, from Nelson, uh, even spoke to Deshaun Jackson about the deep ball situation, and uh, Deshaun, said, yeah, Deshaun said to him that if he, uh, if he tracked the ball sooner, then, uh, then he 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 could have had a big play there. Um, but that was, yeah. the, that was the advice. 
<laughs> if he was better, if he was better, he could have made no, no, play. no. It was it was just about it was it was about tracking the ball sooner in the air, like basically looking up sooner. But uh, uh, well, Nelson, you know, Nelson's a rookie. It's hard to get on him for not knowing how to play. You know how to track the the ball down the field. I mean, he 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 took every question about it. Uh, he was he was he was ready to answer those questions, and but but really doesn't like the the um I or I guess doesn't appreciate the contention that there was a lack of effort on on the play, and, and he says that definitely was not the case. Um, I think that's probably right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's although you know you look at it and you're like why couldn't he have laid out or anything like that. I I do think my read is that it is just he's not good at finding the ball. Well, he's he's had big plays in the past, and which is something I I brought up. He hasn't had that many big plays. He has that. I would. I don't like have down the field play. big plays. Yeah, but I, I bet if you looked at 2017, he had more down the field plays than any of the other receivers. I would say he probably led the team in in 40 plus catches that year. I don't know if that's right. I I don't have that in front of me. I don't know all that off offhand, but I would guess he had more than Torrey Smith that year. Well. That was a that was a low bar to, to clear. <laughs> but I'm saying, but in the year they won the Super Bowl, I think he was their their best downfield threat. I don't know I, about I, that. I, I could be wrong, but I I, I would think that's the case. Um, I I could be wrong. I I don't have those numbers in front of me. Uh, but I did bring up. But he's. I mean, I mean, I could I could give you three or four big plays offhand that he had that year, starting from Week One against Washington, and. So I, I brought up to him, like from the outside looking in, it, it seems, it, you know, it seems that there's a disconnect uh, this season because you have made plays downfield in the past for this team, and he kind of went through to me like he's like, all right, let's let's go like deep ball by deep ball, and basically saying how each one's different, and pointed out the uh, the Vikings game and the Jets game. Where he didn't want to blame the officials, but 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 said that you know he was he was interfered with, and in one they even got a penalty downfield on. He did the he did the I don't want to blame the officials, but I was interfered with. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason. He's, yeah, I, I he didn't use the term interfered, but like you know, uh, but my chance of catching the ball was was affected by it essentially, and and so that was coming from Nelson there. Uh, Mike Rowe uh, was. Yeah, there was a lot more there in terms of Carson Wentz talk, Miles Sanders talk, uh, Zach Ertz talk. Zach, er- I-, I asked about Zach Ertz because uh, Zach Ertz has 19 fewer targets than he did at this time a year ago, through seven games a year ago. And so last year, a big topic of conversation, at least from the outside, was is is there too much Ertz? As as, as you guys um, as you guys wrote about and, and discussed. Uh, but I would contend that Ertz was awfully effective when the ball was thrown his way, and they could use a little more Ertz right now. Um, and I think it was Bo who said in the post game that maybe they had rabbit ears about the too much Ertz. Was that you that that? Well, I think they've been rabbit ears about a lot of things. Yeah, but but uh, about the Ertz thing, did you say that in the post game pod? I don't know. I don't know if I said that in the post game pod. Okay, so that might have been a separate conversation with somebody. But it was uh, four in the morning. So it was. Knows. It was 3 a.m. in the morning, so uh, I'm sorry if my memory was fuzzy there. Uh, but um, Mike Groh said that Zach Ertz is top five in the NFL in receptions among tight ends. So uh, oh, he's had here. <laughs> yeah, which is I I found to be like a little bit that now, is weak. Yeah. Now, What's wrong with that? 
to to tout that as some big thing. The guy he led the entire he led all tight ends in receptions last year. Okay, so he's he's pointing out it's not as bad as yeah. you, you might think. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think he I think it's I think that is a low bar for the guy who should be the focal point of their passing offense right now. I mean, if, if he would have said like top 16, then I would have yeah. been like, well, no, but, but the stat I would use if I was Mike Rowe is, is I, I think he's like at the top or near the top in targets per game among tight ends. Um, but that being said, I think uh, they can, they can get more from Zach Ertz. They should get more from Zach Ertz. The follow-up question to the Zach Ertz question from, from somebody else was, uh, about Zach Ertz's lack of targets early in games. And a big thing there is kind of just the the lack of plays early in games. You know, they they obviously had two turnovers this past game. Um, so that's what stood out as well. Nelson Aguilar, Zach was right. He had seven downfield catches, 20 yards or more during the Super Bowl season. No other player had more than four. Thank okay. you. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he, that was a big storyline. Was there big plays out of the slot that year? I am, I am picturing those plays in my mind and I, I don't think of many that were like long passes down the field. I'm thinking of plays that were like bullets from uh, Wentz over the middle of the field when he's, when he's playing the slot. I remember one long touchdown, but that's about it. I mean, this is off my mind. No. Yeah. Well, no, no, you're yeah, wrong about that. I'm wrong. Well, yeah. There, they were all 20 yards or more, and uh, he had two that were— 20 yards means nothing to me. All right, so do you have—what's your, what's your number I think then? like 40 yards in the air is a big play. So Sorry. he had—so against the Cardinals, he had that, yes. that really deep one. That was very nice. Put the guy in a, in a blender. He had two that were 40 yards or more. Okay. Get, how many do you think the rest of the team had? None. <laughs> no, Matt Collins. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Collins had one, and everybody else had zero. So okay. I, mean, I don't, know, I don't know what bar you want to. <laughs> so also, well, I wasn't saying like, that he wasn't the leader on the team. Like I just think he has trouble with these plays. I just pulled up their their 2017 schedule, and I don't have like all his plays in front of me, but I I can tell you that the Arizona game he had that big play, the Seattle game he had the big play. And, uh, you know, the Seattle play was, was, was deep down the sideline there. That wasn't a touchdown, but that was, okay, that was but like, a- that play is different because he's facing the ball the whole time and he's waiting like, well, I don't think any, I mean, I don't know what we're arguing here. I'm not arguing that he's good at tracking. <laughs> I the just ball. think he has Clearly trouble. Not. I, yeah, I just think he has trouble the tracking the ball. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I don't. I am arguing that he's made big plays in the past. That's yeah, fine. That, yeah. I, I, that's also not what I'm true. Yeah, that's okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Good thing you guys have me here to settle these little squabbles. Uh, a couple, Bo. I Even thought last you, year, by the way, he, he, he in the Houston game, he had that huge play too. Uh, Bo, I, I was totally that. with you on the uh, on the deferring thing. That really irked me. I yeah, mean, what, what are you doing? It? It's it doesn't really make. It's probably not going to make a difference. Of course who not. Cares. But like, yeah, that I think speaks to the rabbit, like, you know, and he's, and Doug's made references about like, well, then, you know, I'm going to come in here and you guys are going to question me about running the ball. Right. Like, God, just because somebody asks about it, don't change what you're doing. Have some conviction with your decisions. And that third down run in the, you know, that was, and I think Doug clarified that that was him, correct? Not a check. He did. Yes. And uh, he explained it yesterday, actually, that Miles Sanders missed the hole. Yeah, which there and Sanders missed the hole. Which I mean, come on. Yeah, 
I mean, I want honesty, but I don't know. I watched that. I didn't think that was like a no-brainer. This guy 100% screwed up. And it's a guy that you've already – they've already been throwing him under the bus on missing holes already. So maybe he's missed the hole all year. So, yeah, yeah, so maybe don't give him the ball on third and four like that. I, I also pulled up some numbers. Carson Wentz – so, I, I mean, I didn't know what to make sort of the range here because it's a unique situation, right? Third and uh, – it was third and four, right. correct? So I just I just did between third and three and third and five, right? Because third and two, you want to run it, fine, go ahead and run it. Third and one, you want to run it. Uh, Third and six, I think no one's running it. So I I will admit that I just sort of cherry picked these numbers. But uh, Carson Wentz on on third and between three and five this year has converted four fourteen of twenty first down seventy percent of the time. And if you look at it, when they've run the ball in this exact situation, now I did the past three years because you didn't have a big, uh, I know none of these are big samples, but I, I just thought, let's look at it. The last three years, it's been, at least the last two years, it's been the exact same offense. And if anything, you should get a little bump from the Super Bowl season. When it's third and three and five, they've rushed 23 times and have gained it 11 and picked it up 11 times. Nice. That's great. 47.8%. And I would even argue that some of those times, you, you know, you probably ran it and we're going to go for it on fourth down anyway. Right. This wasn't that situation. Like, give me a break with that call. Are you like, so we'll get to the questions here from the, uh, from the listeners, but you know, someone, someone said, why are they treating Carson Wentz like Alex Smith? Yeah. I mean, really? It's true. What are you, what are you doing? That was a big spot in the game. They, you know, they got, just got their, they it. just got to stop. Yeah. high game. And Wentz was dealing stopped. on the drive right before. I mean, I, I will say they were running the ball well on the first drive. And the first play of that, or I think it was the second down play there, uh, Jordan Howard actually, I think he ran into like uh, Zach Ertz, or he would have had a chance to pick it up on now second that down. Is but too much Ertz. That's just like, uh, I don't know, that should be a no-brainer. I mean, give me a soft zone, too deep. Who cares? If it's first down, fine. It's yeah, third down. I, I totally agree. You paid this man a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I agree with all this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm simply relaying what they were saying. No, I, yeah, I'm not yelling at you. Yeah. That, that's later. <laughs> okay, look forward to that. <laughs> all right. Anyway. All uh, right. So those are the updates. And then from Doug yesterday, uh, yeah, Doug saying the sky's not falling. Uh, there were more questions about the anonymous source. Well, let's talk uh, about this anonymous source thing because I, I do think it's interesting and I do think that uh, Jeff McClain's questions were, were fair given uh, Howard Eskin's role with the team. So what – like it is, it is fair to ask, do, is, was this something that the team wanted out there? What did you make of, uh, of the back and forth, Zach, and then, and then Sheila, what did you make of the whole situation? Yeah, I, I thought it was a fair question uh, for Jeff to ask um, for the for the reasons stated in the question that even though he's technically not a team employee. For those who uh, missed it, can you just recap what? Yeah, so yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, Howard Eskin, who uh, a longtime Philadelphia reporter, a uh, longtime Philadelphia talk show host, um, now is the the Eagles sideline reporter. And for the radio broadcast. Yes, for their radio broadcast. He travels and with the team. Travels with the team, stays in their hotel, uh, is has a Super Bowl ring, as Jeff pointed out in the in the question, uh, has access in the facility that 
independent reporters don't have, you know, that, that those covering the team on a day-to-day basis simply don't have in terms of places they can go. Um, so all, all, all that was kind of the context um, for Jeff asking this question because on radio uh, on, on Monday morning, uh, Howard Eskin said Alshon Jeffrey was the anonymous source. Uh, was Josina Anderson's an anonymous source last week and Anderson's reports about the Eagles. And, and so uh, this was a topic that Alshon was asked on the record three times on Friday about this and uh, eventually said, no, he, uh, he was not, but he kind of ev- evaded the question the first two times. Um, now, but he was asked on, on, on the record about this and then eventually said, uh, nah, he wasn't. Now, uh, the question came up to Doug Peterson because of the connection that Howard Eskin has to the Eagles. And Doug basically said he's not going to comment on it. Uh, but it, it was a worthwhile question, like Bo said, because of, the, of that connection. Yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a fair question. And not even if it's, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, did the Eagles want this out there? It's just that, it, uh, you know, a, a person who has sort of special access to the team is saying definitively, who said this, you know, maybe it could be something he heard or whatever, but, um, I think there's a newsworthiness to, uh, to that. And it's, uh, I, when you have stuff like this, the, the coach has to comment on it. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, th- this story was going away. Like, right. it, I mean, it, it was, it was a big story last week, but yeah. like if, if Howard uh, didn't say that on Monday morning, then, uh, I I think everyone kind of moves on to the storylines of the week, right? I mean, there was enough that went on in Sunday's I game. I think that's right. That the, that would have been the topic of, of of conversation. So this isn't like a a thing that that like the writers are are creating. This is something that was created by the Eagles sideline reporter. Yeah, it really was quite a week. I, I included it in my ten likes dislikes uh, column today, and you guys talked about it after the game. But when you think about it, you you go to Minnesota, you get blown out. Uh, Doug Peterson says what he did on the radio on Monday. You get rid of Zach Brown to send a message. You have anonymous sources, you know, saying these things about Ramsey and also about the offense uh, the next two days that then Doug has to answer for on Friday. And then on Sunday, you go there and you completely no show. Uh, you know, you lose two games by a combined 45 points. Like, the, you know, nice. most losses are. Hey, all right, a play here, a play there could have been different. Like, I mean, it's hard to lose two games if you consider yourself a mediocre or a good team and uh, and lose two games by forty five points. So what a what a stretch that was. And by the way, don't let the Eagles become indignant about like the use of anonymous sources because um, they're happy with anonymous sources when it it serves their purpose. So, yeah. Uh, so course. that's so like there were questions the Doug about like, you know, do you need to have a team meeting about, you know, players talking anonymously and, and things like that and, and keeping things in house. And, uh, and there's a lot that uh, doesn't stay in house when the Eagles don't want it in house. So, so I, I, I just, I'm not going to become indignant about the use of anonymous source. I think that's fair. I wonder how, uh, I wonder how the Eagles are feeling about guaranteeing Alshon Jeffrey's contract. For two for two thousand twenty, continues to be quite a head scratcher. <laughs> Maybe some buyer's remorse. 
Um, all right. Should we move on to uh, to the bigger picture? Here's a few. I just wrote down a couple things from the game that let me let me mention real quick. Uh, actually, I think there might be only one that Nate Gary I thought was really really bad in this in, in the first half that I've watched so far. Okay. I mean, like sort of disastrously bad. Really? Where like I I don't think you can. I mean, if he's going to be your, I don't know how long Bradham's out or what the situation is, but uh, you know, if you look at a lot of the big run plays, I, I thought he was just getting manhandled by offensive linemen and tight end. And even when he got to the ball, he was missing tackles. But he's there was so smart. actually there was actually a uh, key play in the uh, second quarter where you know how Jim Schwartz has that one call. I don't. I really don't know what the technical term is for this but basically the linebacker acts like he's going to blitz and then drops into like a passing lane Mm -hmm. to try to intercept a slant nigel bradham had one of those earlier this season and he dropped the interception remember that play yes uh they had one of those to nate gary great call and uh gary dropped back and you know he he couldn't get his hands on the football and i think that i think it was the one where witten beat mills on a slant uh inside it was a third down conversion there so uh yeah i thought he he had a really rough game maybe they okay. maybe they put Camus there i guess i don't know i don't, I don't know they have a lot of options well i i, I, I think when matter. they get nigel back it'll be a little different um you know i, yeah. I think nate uh nate's the one who obviously calls the defense when uh nigel wasn't in there uh, now i asked uh doug if he thought that dallas was picking on the Eagles linebackers, which is a topic we discussed at, at length last week. And and Doug kind of asked how so. And the thing I referenced is the use of Dallas's 21 personnel uh, because I saw Dallas writers uh, point out how, how Dallas was using that more against the Eagles. And in talking to Nate Gary after the game, he said Dallas really uh, used 21 on them to and it, it was successful for Dallas. And uh, Doug – uh, kind of said, you know, he wouldn't say that. Uh, he doesn't, you know, there was there was a lot to it. He hasn't, um, he hasn't watched I, that side of the ball yet. <laughs> yeah, I interpret it as like, I don't think Doug was like giving me a hard time. I just don't know how much uh, Doug watched that side of the ball. I, th- I think he was like, you've seen our secondary. Like, they don't really need to pick on our linebackers. They can just, you know, throw no, it out. <laughs> but like, I, I do think Dallas's game plan was picking on the linebackers more so than the secondary. Well, they ran all over them, so... Yeah, in in that respect, they they went big and in base, you know. Then then they ran all over the Eagles. So uh, in that sense, they did. And then there was the Eagles' use of, you know, I've heard this sort of theory that should they get Sanders and Howard on the field together? This remains to me the most overrated thing in football. Yes. What problem are you presenting a defense? So they did this on their third possession, and Miles Sanders lined up in the slot, and Jordan Howard in the backfield. You know, I didn't see the Cowboys call timeout and sort of have to catch their breath at this at this look and figure out how they were going to defend it. They went to nickel and they put Jordan Lewis on Miles Sanders. Wow. Problem solved. I mean, what problem are you presenting to the defense by doing this? Well, why is this such an exciting thing to people? Am I off base? No. What am I missing here? Well, they don't have anybody else to put out there. That's what you're missing. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't care if you want to play Sanders in the slot, play Sanders in the slot. Right. But this isn't like some, uh, you know, you're reinventing football by doing this and putting the defense in a bind. I don't think they care. They say put whoever you want in this slot. You guys don't throw it more than three yards anyway. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. All right. A little fired up. What did you, uh, what, what'd you guys make of the uh, second week in a row? We got some veterans whacked on a Monday. 
Orlando Skandrick and Akeem Spence gone. Anthony Rush and another defensive tackle imported. I think the Anthony Rush thing is very funny. Like, and and speaks to uh, uh like a lack of their uh, their self scouting. Like this guy, they cut him on the first. He was the first guy cut in training camp, the 90th man on the roster. Then he goes and has this great preseason with the Raiders, and they bring him in, and he's going to be basically starting next week. Yes. But he wasn't. They didn't think he was better than Kevin Wilkins two months ago. Is Kevin Wilkins a real person? He was. Yeah, he, oh, okay. he's, from, he's from Rutgers, yeah. <laughs> I, along with 99% of the listeners, had no idea. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, it's they're getting guys to fill in who stink. And, I, you know, the Zach Brown one was probably different, I think. Although I did think it was funny how, you know, like Zach Skandrick was giving you great stuff. You know, you, you had the piece. Oh, he was amazing. He was yeah. giving you great stuff, like really speaking for the team. Yeah. And I was just laughing when it's like, well, <laughs> all right, he's no longer a part of the team. Yeah, so I'll, I'll actually give some some context on on that. I don't, I don't know if I shared that on the postgame pod or not. But um, so in the locker room after after the game, after losses, a lot of players clear out quickly, and I was I was uh, ready to talk to to Rasul Douglas. There was like a crowd there, and I saw Orlando Scandrick just waiting there, and I kind of got the sense that all right, he wants to talk, and uh, and so myself and Tim McManus spoke to him for about like eight minutes, and he was great <laughs> about like a variety of topics. Just what, was he just, great about uh, not being able to make any tackles? <laughs> No, he was just real honest about kind of where the Eagles are and and big picture stuff and and uh, he's been on the team for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's he's played in the NFL for you know twelve you know for twelve years or so, um, and then they just cut him and uh, yeah. So so um, I I hope I'm not speaking out of turn here, um, but uh, I I I got a message from our friend T Mac last night where he's like, I hope you use those quotes, you know. <laughs> That was that was fantastic. Shia, what was your favorite moment of the Akeem Spence era? I have no idea, but really shouldn't is it isn't run stuffing defensive tackle like the easy shouldn't that be the easiest position to fill? Yes. On a roster. There are guys out there just looking for jobs who can't rush the passer, who have been phased out of the league. I mean, come on. Yes, yeah, so well I interpret this almost as a uh, as a shift in terms of how we're looking at at, at the roster. The first month of the season, they kept trying to plug in uh, these replacement level veterans, and I interpret this now as as not a youth movement per se, but uh, as realizing that they need to get some young players in here, and that the answer isn't always that that run of good luck that they had in 2017 in in signing you know these out of work veterans. Um, so so that kind of stood out to me. I asked Malcolm Jenkins about it today, and uh, I put a little more thought into it than Malcolm has to this point <laughs> because Malcolm was like, yeah, I, I was like, how do you in, 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 interpret them going young as opposed to veterans? And he was like, I haven't really thought about it yet. I, I don't know. He's like, that's a good question to ask Howie, uh, which is probably a good question to ask Howie if Howie would, would answer it. I thought Schwartz had didn't Schwartz have an interesting like I don't make personnel moves type uh, comment today? Yes, um, when he, he was asked about yeah yeah when he was uh, he was asked about cutting uh, these veterans and he basically didn't want to get 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 caught answering on personnel moves. He was basically saying he prepares with the guys they have. Okay. 
the other thing around the league, a couple wide receiver trades today. Mohamed Sanu to the Patriots for a second-round pick and Emmanuel Sanders to the Niners. Emmanuel Sanders and a fifth to the Niners for a third and a fourth. Those are those are high prices to me, and uh, like you know, I would not I would not pay those prices if I were the Eagles. What about if you were the Patriots? Well, if I was the Patriots, I could probably you know, cheat, it doesn't matter cheat, cheat and steal a couple uh, draft picks from other teams when they're not looking anyway, right? No, I would not. I would not definitely not pay those prices if I were the Eagles. Actually, when I got the text this morning, I thought it was the Eagles, and I'm like. What what are they doing? You know, like I missed the the text that it was the Patriots, and I'm like a second rounder for the same type of guy they already have. What are they doing? I'm getting ready to message you guys. Like I can do a grade on this. I'm going to go off on them, and then I realized it wasn't the Eagles. Is is that life as a national reporter? You get texts from all 32 teams. Oh no! This was from, this was from a friend who just texted uh, the Adam Schefter tweet. Hold on, I'm name, not your, name, name, your, name your friend. We, we can name your friends here. You're not gonna you're not gonna tell Bean. us whether it was Bean or. It's uh I don't know maybe it's a private friend who wants oh. uh, his to not be identified. All right, fine. <laughs> tough day for tough day for Bean's brand. Uh, but to answer Shields' question, I, I would absolutely do that if, if I was the Patriots. Um, you know, you don't know how, how much longer this window is going to be open. Uh, the, I thought it was a real high price to it's pay. It's going to be for. open for a long time. Look at that division. Well, I mean, look at the quarterback, though. Yeah, okay. Uh, you know, how. And, it's and, also crazy. Did you way, see the thing? Did you see the thing? I think it was Aaron Schatz who said it looks like the Patriots are going to have the second easiest schedule in, in uh, their history of tracking schedules. Mm. Is that right? Yeah. Because of how 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 bad that division was. Well, and the NFC East. Yeah. But but how good was like that 2016 quarterback room uh, for uh, for the Patriots? When you look at, at what like three of the best teams or three of the five best teams in the NFL uh, have quarterbacks from that room: Brady, uh, Garoppolo, and Brissett. Uh, uh, settle settle down on Jimmy G. He's not doing much over there. I'm not sold on him. All right. He, he, he's riding the coattails of a, a very good defense and a uh, and a good running game. Now, uh, Brissett, on the other hand, well, we'll 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 get to them. But yeah, he's uh, he, we're, we're he gonna, has. We're gonna get. Oh, okay. You've got your you've got your thing. Well, yeah, we'll just run through some of these teams. But he has he is a quarterback who has a mastery of the coach's offense. Like he's not. He seems to just know where to go every single play. He has an answer. Yeah, I, I, I'm 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 not going to. Uh... I, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm supposed to tout other podcasts here, but I was listening to our old friend Chris Long on the Ryan Russo. Yeah, podcast. I saw you tweeted about it like three <laughs> times. So why don't you <laughs> no. tell us what you heard? No, no, but well, he was talking about the Eagles. But the beginning of that podcast, he was talking a lot about about Jacoby and and just like he he thinks he's he's just a real deal. Uh, thinks he he has a uh, a real good sense of, of when to kind of be the game manager and when to put the team on his back and and really credited Frank Reich and said you can see kind of why the Eagles have had growing pains post-2017. Oh, he went there, huh? Ooh. Yeah, he mentioned That's that. That's interesting. Okay. It's just touting uh, Reich uh, like crazy there. And he actually oh. pointed out that like Reich was the guy he spoke to least in the building. So so this wasn't like him him just just standing up for a former Eagles coach. He was he was being honest that that Reich had a big role. I doubt that it was the guy he talked to least in the whole building. 
No, I mean, that, but but that was that was the example he he had. Uh, he, what were the other What were the other Chris? What Long else did he say about yeah. the Eagles? I, I but let's make this a weekly segment. You <laughs> Zach's, <laughs> Zach's book Zach's bo- podcast give us the report. Cliff notes of what he said, so we don't have to listen. <laughs> uh, he had a lot to say about. I mean, some, some of them were obvious. Like the Eagles can't fall into into you know fourteen nothing holes, but kept pointing to just how how bad they are early in games right now. Um, had said that uh, he spoke a lot about Carson and said that, that Carson was really pressing in that Cowboys game oh. and that that, uh, that Carson is a franchise quarterback. He, anyone who doesn't see it, uh, he doesn't know what to tell you. Um, but said Carson, it, he, he can use a, a little more game manager in him sometimes. Um, uh, that was oh, – uh, Needs to man. check it down? Maybe he's the anonymous source. No, he was actually he was really disappointed, really disappointed by the anonymous source stuff that was coming out. Um, like he was saying, that's that that's just bad. And he was saying over the years because he's he's, he's media friendly, he's had reporters like try to come up to him to be the anonymous source on stuff. Mm. And he's he, his opinion is is that like you need to go to the player, or the coach directly if you have something to say about them. Um, but he he uh alluded to something that that we've written about which is like nick Foles' statue is outside the stadium like the city has this love affair with nick Foles. like that that doesn't go away even with the money you know like like carson's still trying to kind of prove himself here uh but uh in, in terms of talking about uh, this year's team he was speaking about you know how, how obviously they're having struggle they're they're having trouble um in coverage and then Fletcher, you know, uh, kind of looks banged up still. Um, you know, he, he mentioned them losing Ridgeway. Uh, so just, just <laughs> wow. He's actually <laughs> digging in. Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> Shocking. Yeah. He, he came equipped with, uh, numbers and everything. He said it was, it was really uncharacter. Oh, okay. So back to the offense, he was saying it was uncharacteristic of Lane Johnson giving up that sack against DeMarcus Lawrence, but he said Carson was holding the ball, uh, too long. It seemed like, Okay, that's that complete, That's completely wrong. I actually looked. No, not on that play in the game. Oh, overall, in the game. Oh, okay. in the game. He he was saying Demarcus Lawrence is really good. Okay, yeah, uh, that was the second fastest sack by any player. Oh, in interesting. Week, in week seven, so yeah, that was. Ooh, Shields certain. got the receipts. Well, uh, that's it. That that uh, that game manager thing is pretty interesting, though. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that. Like, yeah, what, so there's. What am I there's, watching here? Yeah, oh, uh, what what are we missing? Yeah, so there's more context there. Um, I mean, I don't want to spend our entire podcast talking about a different podcast, uh, but I, I would be up for doing. I would be up for making that an episode every week. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I always like hearing like former players who know the team well talk about the team uh, because they're allowed to have a, a degree of honesty that they can't have when they're inside the building. But he's not so far enough removed that like he doesn't know what's going on. Well, I think that leads well into I don't. Bo, can I take over here for a second? You got it. Okay, I know you're a little sensitive, so I want to make sure I'm not stepping on your toes. Uh, I do want to have a, a Carson Wentz discussion because I feel like, you know, in the sort of media landscape we're in, it's like, all right, if anybody criticizes the quarterback, that's a hot taker who doesn't know what they're talking about, and then it's just like on the other hand, you've just gotta, you know. He can do no wrong. It, it feels like uh, to, to steal Zach's favorite term, nuance, with this discussion. I love that. 
is, uh, you know, it really seems like it applies with the Wentz discussion. Now, I would like to start off by like the question posed to both of you. What is their, like, if you could point to what's wrong with the Eagles on offense, and they're now 18th in DVOA. They are a below average offense. They're 20th in passing DVOA. Uh, what is their biggest issue on offense? I would say their inability to stretch the field. And the fact that the only way they're going to score, it seems, is is just with these these extended drives. Okay, Bo. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's the, the lack of speed is what uh, is what jumps out to me on a on a play in and play out basis. So when you look at the at Carson, and I think we have to talk about it, like the Carson Wentz Doug Peterson battery, like we. Well, that's done. what I was just going to say is that I, the- I, it is hard to divorce. Carson uh, from Doug in this conversation. Yeah, so let let's let's package them together. I, I think I know. I thought they were a top five pairing going into the season. Uh, did you guy? Would you guys have agreed we with said, that? Or not? Yeah, we said we said they would have. Everybody stays healthy. They have no excuse not to be a top five offense. Yeah. Now they lost mm-hmm. to Sean, but here we are. So Peterson and Wentz. Would you say the the supporting cast around them? And let's make that you know offensive line, running backs tight ends, wide receivers, is that, you know, w- way below average? Is that bottom third? Is it around mediocre? Is it above average? Like, how would you sort of label that grouping right without Deshaun? I would, uh, and, and, and I think I know where you're going here, but I think I would probably say that they are above average except for the receivers. Above average, interesting, okay. I'd say average. Uh, because I, I think that there are guys who are really either underachieving or I overrated them. Okay. See, I, because so yeah, what I am getting at is I feel like a lot of the conversation has been well, they lost to Sean Jackson, and we've talked about it. They have this big slow offense, mm-hmm. and those and both those things are true. However, I just look at it league wide and see you know a bunch of these teams that are kind of perfor- performing significantly better than them. And I don't look at it like the Eagles are like five tiers below these teams in terms of the the supporting cast that's surrounding the coach and the quarterback. And I think it's fair to say that's disappointing. I, I mean, Carson Wentz right now is 16th in a you know you can pick your quarterback metric of choice, but adjusted net yards per attempt. The Eagles' passing game, as I mentioned, is 20th. And like, look at some of these teams, you know, ahead of them. You, Bo will make fun of me, but you know, the Seahawks are second. And that's with an offensive line mm-hmm. that's worse. That's with a supporting cast that's worse. And that's with the coach giving them no kind of edge. Well, why is the supporting cast worse? <laughs> For the Seahawks compared to the Eagles? They have one they, really good receiver. They have one receiver and they have a bu- and they have a bunch of terrible guys. Well, I mean, DK of, Matt, got a running game. They, got, they have a guy named Jerron Brown who no one's ever heard of. They've got I a guy named Dave, I didn't know Jerron Brown. All right, David Moore. <laughs> Uh, they have no tight end. Their tight end was Will Disley, this guy anybody could have had. He's injured. Uh, now they have no one. Their offensive line is worse than the Eagles, and they have Brian Schottenheimer calling plays. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I'm just saying there was – you said the supporting cast uh-huh. besides the – like the you said just the weapons. I okay. Like Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson is not that much worse to me than Alshon Jeffrey and – Zach Ertz and okay. Jordan Howard. I don't know. So you would say comparable? It can pair. I mean, the point stands. I'm okay. Not, I'm not. Uh, I'm missing the. Yeah, I think for the, the difference here. between the Eagles and the Seahawks would would be 
the investment at, at tight end. Um, I mean, Disley, who's hurt, he was, what, a fourth-round pick? And so, but besides him, I mean, they paid Lockett a lot of money, so that's comparable to Alshon. They, they took DK Metcalf in the second round. That's comparable to J.J. Uh, in terms of being comparable to Nelson, I don't know if you have anyone there. So, you, so, so yeah, but uh, Lockett is, is, is the guy they paid, and they spent draft capital on DK Metcalf. All right, so comparable. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get it. we're getting lost in the details. Yes. Okay. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are fifth in passing DVOA. Do you want me to read the names of the players who caught <laughs> balls from Aaron Rodgers? Uh, they're picking up guys like, yeah. No, Valdez, Scantling, Jimmy, a washed up Jimmy Graham, Jake Kumaro, Danny Vitale, Alan He's Lazard. These are guys who caught yes. passes from uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, I'm going through some. The New Orleans Saints went to Chicago with no Alvin Kamara. And they had 424 yards and 24 first downs Mm -hmm. with Teddy Bridgewater and Latavius Murray. Mm -hmm. The Oakland Raiders are eighth in passing efficiency. They were playing with Darren Waller, you know, who looks really good, but that is not somebody. They had no Tyrell Williams. Uh, You know, they've kind of built this efficient. Their offense actually looks like the Eagles. They're trying to be this balanced, efficient offense, and they're doing it better than the Eagles. They're they're eighth in passing DVOA. They they went up and down the field on the Packers. They had over 400 yards. They just had red zone uh, turnovers. And, you know, 10th, the Jacksonville Jaguars with Gardner Minshew. And in an offensive line that is nowhere nearly well, as good as don't tell well, don't tell Doug Peterson that that uh, John D. Filippo has a better, <laughs> better passing offense than he. All does. right, so you get the point though, right? I, I mean, yeah. no, the right? point is absolutely. It's correct. a very good point. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, they got this Zach Pascal has over a hundred <laughs> yards. I mean, come on. So there are teams that are a hundred percent making more of the talent they have at their disposal and there are quarterbacks that are sort of lifting the level of play of their teammates. I think more than Carson Wentz has now let Agreed. don't get it. You don't have to like get it twisted into a, all right, he, he's saying what Wentz is not the number one problem. There are many other problems. The defense is terrible. Guys can't catch the ball. I, I'm not, you know, I don't love the scheme, all those things. But at the same time, I do feel like if like if you told me before the season, I mean, this injury thing is so overblown. They went into that game with nine of their 11 starters on offense and one of the two they were missing. They replaced them with a first round pick, you know, who played fine. Like yeah. this is not a bang. They, they've been incredibly healthy on offense. They've lost one guy. And, then, and you're coming at me with a 20th ranked. And the guy, and the guy they always knew they were going to lose at some point. And the guy they oh yeah and and someone they had a replacement with so um, I just feel like that is a disappointment to me like the the offensive minded coach absolutely led you to a Super Bowl and the quarterback who you paid big time money who you think should be an MVP candidate they should be making up for some of the other deficiencies on the roster and so I'm not saying they are the number one problem I'm not even saying that you know Wentz is playing poorly but it is disappointing to me that that battery who you came into the season thinking was a top five pairing uh has not done more to mask the other issues on the roster keep preaching i'm with you i'm with you on everything you said okay all right well that was a point i wanted to make i think that's absolutely fair the pittsburgh steelers are ahead of them in passing dvoa well what's shield what is your uh how how would you try to differentiate i know it's hard to divorce the two from each other but do you think that falls more on doug or more on carson i mean i think this this offense is just so boring like it's i don't so know boring. it just seems so 
boring and like again i, and I it's think the that, same thing every week yeah, like, that listener who had a, i thought that was a great question why you know he said you guys always say watch what the coaches do not what they say why are they treating carson wentz like alex smith yeah. i mean when the offense looks good it's like a two-minute drill where it's wentz just making play like i don't know i would just say maybe it's at the point where you just say hey Car- hey carson you're you're calling all the plays in the first quarter yeah and if it goes well maybe you'll do it the whole game what do you want to do you know, take over. We're gonna go. We're gonna go. Hurry up. Uh, may, you know, if you have to make plays outside of structure, do that. If it's a if it's a run check and you're not if you're on the fence about whether to check it to the run, don't the check ball. it to the run. Just throw the ball. Uh, I don't know. Like some of it just seems very. Uh, you know, it just seems like they they do produce. There's like a, a couple plays every week where I feel like they're producing an explosive play. You know, the one to Goddard, that's a nice job. You matched him up against the linebacker. You take a shot. We've seen them do that with Miles Sanders. But just uh, overall, I mean, it, it's not it's not what the standard should be. I literally have nothing to add to that. I, I think you you hit it on the head. Well, well not I, literally. Here. <laughs> uh, not good with a hammer. So the uh, – the only thing I, I would add to that, because I agree with everything you just said, is I think that this has been a bad year for Doug Peterson. And uh, Bo and I addressed it a bit in the in the beat in the beat back and forth this morning. But Doug, as a play caller, as kind of a, a manager of of the team of, in terms of getting the, the locker room ready, uh, he's been below average this year. I think in all facets there and. Uh, part of, of, of being a successful organization, and especially you saw this last year, was having an elite-level coach. And he showed a lot last year, uh, especially late in the year, in terms of keeping that team ready, in terms of transitioning the foals. And I, I don't think Doug's been as good this year. I think that's absolutely fair. Yeah. Can I tell you what my favorite moment of Hard Knocks is, was this year, since you brought up Darren Waller? Oh, you're going back, yeah. Yeah, there was a uh, there was a it was a play in the preseason game. Darren Waller was taken out of the game because you know he had played enough, and then they threw like a tight end fade, and John Gruden was like, "Bring in Waller, bring in Waller," but they but they couldn't get him in, and and the the tight end fade scores, and and Gruden is like, "What do you think of this offense, huh?" Like as if as if a a <laughs> jump ball to a tight end in the end zone was this was this crazy play call that he had invented. I will say this, and I don't. I actually don't think it's gotten enough pub. John Gruden, if you look at the job he's done with the offense this year, has been objectively good. I believe it. Here are the guys who caught balls for, from Derek Carr. Darren Waller, Keelan Doss, Marcel Aitman, Trevor Davis, Foster Moreau, Derek Carrier, Hunter Renfro. I mean, the Derek Eagles Carrier, guys are better than that. Great. They were going against a better defense. So Why do you think Marcel so, ate that guy? By the way, I don't love John. Don't, don't get your minions to you know call me a John Gruden lover or anything. <laughs> They've got a lot of issues. Their defense stinks. I have no faith that they're going to build that team the right way. <laughs> but in terms of just an offense, offensive, uh, you know, maximizing the talent you have on offense, he has done a good job this year. So, can I ask you guys a question, or uh, does that go off script? Yeah, it's too a free for all. <laughs> okay, uh, based on the conversation we just had, and we've discussed how we. Uh, in past podcasts and in the beat back and forth, where do you guys think through seven games? So I, I, I give the caveat that a lot could happen this year, but th- but through seven games, rank where you think Jeffrey Lurie's frustration is. 
Carson Wentz, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman. Mm. Mm. I would guess that for Jeffrey, it is Doug one. Carson two, Howie three. I think I would agree with that. I, I think Doug, I would definitely say he probably has Doug one. And I think you could probably flip. I, I don't know. I don't know on the other two. If you told me the other way, uh, if you told me that Howie was two and Wentz three, that wouldn't shock me. But I, I think if I had to go with it, I would probably say Wentz two, Howie three. You? Yes. Well, I would say Howie three. And then I was debating between Doug or Carson one. Um, and uh, I, I got to think that they expected to see more from Carson this year. Mm. Maybe they should let him try to do more. I well, agree. I yeah. agree. And 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 there are other factors there. Uh, but uh, I mean, there's a lot of teams getting like really good quarterback play right now, and the Eagles are three and four. I mean, really, with the with the issues they've had in the first quarter, uh, I, you know, I was sort of uh, was it tongue in cheek? Is that what it is? Tongue in cheek is that the yeah that's a, that's a thing I don't, we'll, we'll okay. find out if it's yeah. nothing. <laughs> I, you know, I was kind of saying that about handing over to but but really, I mean, well, that seems like a, a way to try to get your offense going a little bit. Well, your your you know your meetings and your play sheets not working in the first quarter. I know that's right. Give, just yeah, give a, give a actually, now that yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, because I, I didn't plan to ask that question. Now that I'm thinking about it, I would agree with what you guys said. Uh, Doug one, Carson two, Howie three. Okay. Okay. Now, yeah, and I, I think what you guys said after the game is true, too. I mean, how, how we should not be uh, certainly absolved of blame. It would help if they had a slot receiver who could. Oh, that, yeah, and that's not my ranking of the things. Right, that's what, what yes. we think Lurie thinks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes, I mean, they could certainly benefit from more speed on offense, and I think defensively especially. I mean, you just look at their talent uh, on defense. I mean, what are they – where are they above average talent-wise well, on and defense? I, and, I, and I do think – I meant to bring this up on the postgame pod. I do think that we have to start having a, a Fletcher-Cox conversation. Uh, and, it's, and it's not just like is he still coming back from this injury, but is he, is he ever going to be as dominant as, as he was before? And if he's not, you know, the defense is in, real, is in you know, a real bad position moving forward. Interesting. Fair points. All right. Should we get to the burden edgewise? Sure, sure. Peckness Migrate, all the way from Wild Farm Wines. Daylight Savings Time, Black Friday, Halloween. Oh, this is a Peckness Migrate? Yeah. Uh, sorry, say them again. Daylight Savings Time. Okay. Black Friday, Halloween. But if, if I say Halloween, does that mean I get it once the rest of my life or once a year? Because it already is. Well, once. that's a good question. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'll go first. I will. I will migrate. Um, I. I will migrate daylight savings. It doesn't do much for me. Uh, I'm. I'm. I don't need that extra hour. I'm. I'm up early, anyways. <laughs> that's a football, <laughs> football guy. guy. <laughs> also, I. I hear, and I'll, I'll. I'll learn this now going forward. I hear it just messes up young kids. Like I, I hear it's brutal for like if if your kids are on a schedule which with uh, my kids that that like you it messes them up. Now I I kind of say toughen up. You know you'll 
your body will adjust. But uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. my wife was the one who always did the adjustment. You know, yeah. you can do like fifteen, exactly. do it in fifteen-minute increments. What, like three days before, or whatever. Uh, yeah. She was she was always in charge of that. I gave it no thought, obviously. So then, um, so then I I will peck Black Friday. I I am not like uh, a guy waiting in line at stores, but I love a good deal. So I'll go on Amazon.com. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and then, something uh, there, right? yeah. and then, uh, and then let's, let's marry. Well, so you're more uh, of a Halloween. cyber Monday guy than a black Friday. Yes. Guy. More of a cyber Monday guy. Yes. And then cyber Zach. let's, let's marry them. Halloween because it's great. You know, kids love it. It's fun. Um, so yeah, Halloween's a good time. Yeah, I hate Halloween, but I think I have to say Merry Halloween just because of the kids. You know, that that would be like a really mean dad thing to do <laughs> to take that away from them where it brings them so much joy. I do like going to the kids' Halloween like parade, you know? Yeah. At school, they're very excited. They come out and they wave. So uh, I personally hate it. I don't want to dress up. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, uh, any of that festive stuff is not for me. You know, I do remember there were times where the Sixers would have their opener on Halloween and I wouldn't go out uh, for Halloween and I would just sit in my house and watch the uh, watch the Sixers. So I guess this has been a a long time for me. Uh, Black Friday, I mean, I can take it or leave it. It doesn't really affect my life. I'm not going anywhere, but if you want to. Uh, go ahead. I'll I'll kind of I'll uh I'll nest a daylight savings. I kind of like the change up once in a while. I like the change up too. Uh, but if I'm gonna nest Halloween, it doesn't make any sense to just do daylight savings once. So I'm gonna migrate it. Just do it when you get the extra hour, not when you lose the hour. Oh, that's right. I like that. <laughs> you can't do it that way though. That 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 was like... <laughs> this one was really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you got? What what do we got for Halloween costumes for the Capadia and Berman kids this year? We have a uh, uh, Frozen, I, th- I think Elsa, okay. and we have we have a Hermione Granger for the uh, Harry Potter obsessed kid. Nice, that's gonna be fun. Uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I I, I thought my son was uh, gonna be like a um, almost like a construction worker because we had because it was like a, a gift was this like const- it had like a construction hat. But then I, I just heard recently that he's coordinating costumes with his cousins, uh, with 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 my nephews. So it might be something else, but I'm not sure. I need to probably look up the Amazon.com ordering to find out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am I am not uh, I'm not really involved in the Halloween costume. And then my daughter's nine months old, so I, I don't know what she's dressing up. But I, I will find that out. I I was never. <laughs> we'll find like, that out. <laughs> I didn't really dress up uh, like for her Halloween when I was younger too much. I I, I think you'd appreciate this. In, in college, what I would do is I would put on a hooded sweatshirt and say I was Bill Belichick. Mm. Did you cut the sleeves off at least? No, I'm not going to cut the sleeves off. Of her. <laughs> <laughs> that would have no utility. For I was in Syracuse. You you needed the hooded sweatshirt. So mm-hmm. no, I would just. I would just do that and carry a notebook and say I was Bill Belichick. I, I, I don't appreciate that as a move, but I appreciate it as a peek in, inside your mind. What do you, you got go. going on? I think we got, uh, I think we're going, we're going fireman. Classic. Nice. Yeah, classic. He's very, he's, it's just, it's, it's funny how it just happens. Uh, biologically, he's just very into all kinds of uh, trucks and vehicles right now. So uh, speaking of, we have a question from DFOP. Uh, although actually, I believe expat Defop Shiraz 
Uh, we're having a costume contest in our office as part of the latest attempt at corporate fun. Oh, gosh. Obviously, I know Shields' view on this, ab- on this <laughs> abomination, but he wants Zach's opinion on corporate fun and adults wearing Halloween costumes. I guess we just heard about your, your Halloween costume. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, I'm, I'm not really big on it for, for, like, uh, for like an office party. That's all adults. Um, that, that kinda, I, I think once you get past college – um, when you're dressing up, it's it's for the kids. I think Halloween should be for the kids. Well, the anything corporate, kids. every every anything corporate mandated is 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 silly. You want to you want you want to have like, a Halloween party? That's fine. Yeah. Unlike Bo, um, I've never worked in a like corporate environment. Like I, I've yeah, never right. had in like you know I've I've been a, a sports I've been a sports reporter my whole life here where I've I've been working in in media centers. So I've I've never been in like a traditional office setting um so i i actually don't i imagine it'd, it'd be fun a way to, to to kind of interact with coworkers and whatnot but uh, i i tend to think halloween's for the kids that is really like my Wu-Tang. nightmare like I, I i feel anxiety just thinking about the thought of having to dress up and uh at, at a work thing like that it just popped up on twitter uh a seahawks trade for digs and i thought oh baby oh was and it Quandre? It's Quandre Diggs, the Lions' safety, and a seventh-round pick in 2021 to the Seahawks for a fifth-round pick in 2020. That's a big deal. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and by the way, I just texted my wife because I, I don't want to seem like I, I don't know what my son's wearing for Halloween. Well, <laughs> we're not we're not like cutting that part out. Zach, so that's yeah, we, you still seem that way. <laughs> uh, and and he's going to be a skeleton. Oh, a skeleton. Hey. Yes. Okay. Uh, just like the Eagles offensive line. How did the Eagles go from one of the deepest teams on paper in July and praising Howie for constructing it to where we are today, seemingly old and no depth from Kevin Slates? That's a good question. And, and DFOP Derek Sarley mentioned that we did that, that podcast before the season uh, comparing this roster to the Super Bowl roster. Do you remember position yeah. by position? And yeah. that's when and that's when we were like, well, wait a minute, maybe maybe they're not like as good right. as big. So I guess we had a, like a, a little hint of maybe we should have seen that uh, as coming. But I, I think it's a good question. I think it's probably uh, I I here I'll speak for myself. I didn't put enough stock into a Fletcher Cox potentially not being this huge difference making game wrecker. I definitely yeah, I definitely overlooked that. So I screwed that up. I think. Uh, and then offensively, I thought that if you had Peterson and Wentz in a healthy offensive line, I thought you were going to be at minimum a top 10 offense, regardless of what the skill position people did. And that hasn't happened. So I don't know. Maybe I put too much. I think uh, I, 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 I should be harder on myself for this because I, you know, I'm the one who is constantly talking about age. And I probably – uh, undersold how much of a factor that would play because you look at it on paper and you're like, okay, these guys are still fine, and you know, on paper everybody's going to play. But I should have, I should have, I should have expected more deeper regression. Me too. I screwed that up as well. Yeah, I have the same sentiment you guys do, and I think uh, you you need to hit on draft picks or in their prime. You need to agents. have draft picks. Yeah, true. Both those things. That's true. true. But. I mean, they invested a, uh, a second round pick in a wide receiver this year. That's a second round pick can contribute for you, you know? 
Well, I was trying to think about this as I, you know, as I sit on Sundays and watch these rookie receivers and other young receivers who will just make impacts like, I don't know. So we know Ortega Whiteside. I mean, really, you know, so I forget who it was had the theory that maybe they guaranteed Alshad 2020 because they were like, all right, we might have missed on this guy. I don't know. It's early. I don't want to say that. I like the guy, but, uh, yeah, but what was clearly, the rush? yeah, that's true. Clearly, that's a concern. Why are you always in a rush? Uh, Mac yeah. Collins, Shelton Gibson, Nelson Aguilar, that, you know, Jordan Matthews, Josh Huff. These are the wide receivers that they've drafted in the last, however, uh, what, five years or so. That's not a good look. No. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought when they did it, my the, the rush was uh, they were trying to open up some money. Yeah. Uh, but clearly they haven't, like, allocated that, that money to a certain area. Maybe it's 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 the theory Shield just mentioned. Maybe Alshon was kind of disgruntled behind the scenes, and you know they, I don't know how they, they could have possibly thought that was the case. <laughs> and and they and they thought they had the that they thought the contract was kind of looming over him when they gave Michael Kendricks his his contract extension back in what was that fifteen um, sixteen fifteen. I I think part of the reason was because like I think they thought he was disgruntled behind the scenes. Boy, that's a bad way to do business. I feel like I don't know. Yeah. Well, it is. You know, you guys had the conversation about buyers, sellers, all that. I mean, I think there's zero chance of them selling anything. I, I think mean, that's probably gonna, right, but we do have. They're going to talk that. They're going to talk themselves into making a run until it, they're mathematically eliminated, and the Cowboys have a pretty tough stretch coming up, and so I don't think that that's really uh, going to be the case at all. I, I don't, don't even. I, I think I that's right. Although I, I do look at like the 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 market and the uh, compensation that teams are getting. Like if there was something that they could sell, I would be interested. But I don't, I don't really think there's anything that makes sense for them. I think yeah, I that it that's true. I, I think it's more. I mean, how is Halapulavati Vitae still on this team? Yeah, what a waste. Nobody wants that guy. Well, I now it's now yeah. it's late. I mean, I guess he's going to be a free agent yeah. after the year. But I, I don't know. I look at some of these offensive lines of contending teams and would think that if you can get like average play out of a guy like that uh, who's played in the playoffs in the Super Bowl, that maybe you would at least give something up. But maybe that has not uh, been the case or their asking price has been crazy. I mean, I think it's just as likely, if not more, that they would make, uh, you know, a Golden Tate type trait. And mm-hmm. I will not be on the wrong side of history for that one this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think that if if they lose this this week, um, they're not buyers, but they're not sellers. I, I I think they kind of play with with both feet, you know, with like one foot in in the water, one foot out of it. Um, it I don't know if that's the best approach, but I I can't see them becoming sellers. You know, I I, I had like a a fantasy basketball draft last night. You had two, two, yeah, but in this in this one league where. Like you keep long-term keepers, and there's players in the league who this is a very who, prominent prominent league. Yeah, who, who literally like plan like three years ahead of time. And I was I was I was getting a text from someone last night talking to me about my draft, and he was joking that like I'm I'm always trying to be competitive every year, even when it doesn't make sense. But I I I tend to feel like like why waste a year right now? So I think the Eagles. I mean, that was kind of a tangent there, but I I I think the Eagles are going to take that approach. Where, like, they're not going to give up on being competitive until, like Shield said, they're mathematically out of it. Pecanus migrate from Garrett, Broad, and Pattison. Uh, umbrella, raincoat, waterproof boots. 
Shield, we'll go to you, Mr. Seattle. Uh, the raincoat is a nice investment. I was anti, and then when I lived out there, you got you, one. You, you came back and you sold it hard. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you don't, you never have to worry about an umbrella. Uh, great pocket situation where you can throw your phone, your wallet. If you have anything else that you don't want to get wet, uh, you could throw those in there. You know, it's it's, it's going to dry. My only issue is that there's nothing great for like a cold and rainy day. You know, the, the raincoat is not, there's not a lot of girth to it. So you're still, if you're going to be outside for a while, you're still going to be cold. You almost have to wear it over like maybe, maybe a crew neck or something that might keep you uh, a little bit, bit warmer. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'll never use an umbrella again. Uh, I'll wow. always be, be a, uh, I know you've got your go-to ace there, my ace. but, uh, uh, rain boots. Uh, no, come on. Who wears rain boots? What are we, eight years old? <laughs> uh, yeah, I do have an umbrella that I'm fond of that uh, is better than any raincoat. But other than that, I trust the expert. Uh, Nader wants to know what is the – Zach's just sitting that one out? Yeah. Uh, I Zach's will... never been in the rain before. <laughs> Yo, no. and wow. I, I, will, I will marry the raincoat. Um, I guess I'll, I, I will uh, pack the – the umbrella, because if you don't have the raincoat, but the waterproof know, boots also come in handy in the snow. Keep in mind. Yeah, I just That's fine if you're in the snow. But I mean, are you going to wear those? The in thing the thing is, yeah, then you're in the boots all day long. You're not bringing a change of shoes. So says who? All right, fair enough. But, but a, he's right. Who does that? I did that when I was in my when in my in my old office job. Walk walk to work in the snow and then change into shoes when you get there. I've I've never done anything like that. You well, need a you need a more personal show. I have a nice uh nice old pair of Nikes that are like uh you know they're they're not thin they're not meshy they're gonna, they're going to keep your feet relatively uh, dry. So I go to those in the rain. How nice for you. Well, uh, Nader wants to know what is the proper etiquette for exiting an airplane. When do you go for your bag and the overhead? I feel like this is something we've discussed in the past. I guess it depends where your bag is. Mm. I don't under people understand. If your bag is like, if your bag is behind you, you have to wait until everybody's off. I just wait. I mean, what is your rush, really? Like, just chill out. It's a it's a max of like five minutes. Yes. If I disagree to an extent, Uh-oh. that's because that jo- I know Zach is going to bring up his Monday morning flights when he has to get to the Doug press conference. No, that's that's not what I'm going to bring up. Uh, that is relevant, but I'm, that's not what I'm going to bring up. If the if the bag is like two rows behind you. I think it's fair to ask someone in that row yeah, to get the bag. No, to I think that's rude. Bag for you. I think that's you think rude. it's rude? Yeah. No. Two rows back, I, I think it's yeah. fine. Just if, don't be like a spaz about it. Just like calmly no, I, ask yeah. and, see, and see who's there. Make sure it's not like a, you know, a grandma or something. Read the room, yeah. Yeah, but if, 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 if there's someone there who you say, excuse me, do you just mind passing my bag? It's right there. If, if they're within distance that you can have a normal conversation with them without raising your voice, then I, I think it's totally reasonable to ask them to pass you the bag. Actually, here's what the move is. Uh, this, this is the final point and the right point. I've never felt so confident. <laughs> what you do is you, you do the look back. You look back. Oh, yes. You know, your, your eyes are kind of darting towards the overhead space. You see if the person there sees you, yes. and if they're nice enough and say, "You want me to get something for you? Is your bag up here?" Then you say, "Why? Thank you." You know, they'll notice 
if they don't have that sensibility about them, then probably just wait. I mean, you don't want that person handling your bag anyway. That happened to me yesterday. There you go. Yeah. The, I, I, I did the look up. The person said, is your bag up there? I said, I said, yes. And they said, do you want me to give it to you? I said, oh, if you don't mind, that'd be great. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. Sheil, you're not right often, but this time you nailed it. Thank you. Uh, Pecknes migrate Mike Grow, Nelson Aguilar, Sidney Jones. <laughs> and keep in mind that we have another comment that says, Sidney Jones is the worst player in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> Does Sidney Jones have any trade? What is his trade value right now? I mean, a bucket of balls. Like, Nothing? I think, I think a conditional seventh round pick. Okay. Well, I mean, I think, I think more likely it's a player. I think that's what you would get. That wouldn't shock me, right? Someone I mean, else's, someone else's disappointing disgruntled, player. Disgruntled, yeah. Dis- so, so another young player who another team is disappointed in. Yeah, maybe, or maybe it's Sidney Jones and a pick for a better player. Well, I don't know if you want to. Okay, yeah, that's true. A throw-in. Yeah. Right. How about the? Uh, do you, Do you think Sidney Jones is more of a Joe Douglas pick or a Howie Roseman pick? Well, I think I, I, I think I know who Howie Roseman would like to make it seem like <laughs> the pick was, who was I responsible think- for the pick. I think that was more of a Howie Roseman pick. Okay. Uh, I was trying to see if there was some sort of Robbie Anderson, Sidney Jones pick type. Yeah, I think, uh, I think Joe's, Joe's not going anywhere near Sidney Jones. He doesn't want Sidney Jones. Okay. I don't state. know about that, though. I, I'm, not, I'm not positive about that. Okay. Do you want uh, to so the, the What PNN? is it, Peck Nest migrate? Well, uh, you'd have to migrate Sidney Jones. They're not playing him anyway. So, um, well, if, we keep, if you keep Mike Groh, can you reassign him to wide receivers coach? Or is it just as offensive coordinator? Uh, I think you can deploy him however you want. Well, no, I think in this case it would be as a offensive as the offensive coordinator. Okay. Well, then I might just I might just migrate that bad boy. Yeah. No, I'm I'm with the Zebra point of come on. What's he really? This isn't his offense. Well, I don't think it's his fault, but he's. It doesn't seem like he's bringing much to the table. That's true. They we should just, have. We just went through how we just went through how terrible the offense is. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know. I have no answer. Someone else do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I guess I'm. I'm pecking Nelson Aguilar because you might need him for a game. You know, he's he's a good. He's a he's not a bad receiver. I don't think Nelson's a bad receiver. He's shown over time yeah, he's that Shelton Gibson. I mean, he he led the team in receptions in the Super Bowl. He's he's had a that was two years 60, ago. Yeah, but he's he's not like in his thirties. You know, actually, maybe I'll I will I'll have to marry for 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 Nelson. But the contract is an issue. Although I can't imagine his contract value is exceedingly high going forward. Um, but uh, I think of of those three, I think Nelson is the three is is the one that's proven to be the best at his job among the three of them. I'm pretty interested in in what kind of market there will be for him. I mean, Adam Humphreys. Jamison Crowder, these guys got nine, ten million a year on like three-year deals last year. I don't know if it was just something about uh, that particular off-season, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I mean the the reality is Nelson's had over sixty catches the last two years. That like you you can't you you can't deny that. That is a fact. So I think there's 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 value there. All right, two last questions. Finally. From Jason, not the biggest problem, but shouldn't Dave Phipp be getting criticism? 
They are constantly committing special teams penalties and rarely making plays. Classic Kapadia curse situation here. Uh, I think I think there's fair criticism. I, it's hard to criticize FIP for like Rudy Ford holding a guy, but they've been better on special teams. Yeah, yeah. I, that's one where the eye test doesn't sort of uh, match the numbers. They're 12th in special teams DVOA. I guess a lot of that's just Jake Elliott. So I don't know if he, I don't know if you give a special teams coach credit or don't give it's him credit. Be, for, it's hard to be 12th when you're like one of the, are they still the only team who's given up a kickoff return touchdown this year? No, no. Another, someone else did one. that last yeah. week. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know. He did, I, I, that stuff does annoy me and it's not, it's been special teams. Defense, oh, like I don't know. Can, can you just get guys lined up and get them on the field? That seems to be the bare minimum of what you can ask, uh, you know, position coaches. Yeah, there's there's not a single uh, coach that I would say is like overachieving right now. Frankly, there's not a single player that I I, I think the only one on the team who's probably playing better than we might have anticipated is Jordan Howard. Yeah, I think he's uh, overachieving. I think yeah. that's right. Outside of Jordan Howard, I mean, I you think, look at. I think I was thinking about this because we talked about it on the postgame pod, and I was thinking about it later. I think I would add Brandon Brooks. Okay, yeah, so that's just, a good one. Just because of the Achilles, he opened up a big hole for one of their their eighteen yard runs or whatever it was in the first quarter. So that's a good one. And then uh, Jake Elliott and Cameron Johnston. Uh, oh, I mean, they're, they're oh, big and deep. I, I wouldn't say that Cameron Johnston is exceeding my expectations. <laughs> Okay. Why you right. have really high expectations for him? He was good last year. Yeah. I mean, oh. Okay. Well, he's he's he hasn't been a problem. And Jake Elliott's perfect on field goals, perfect on extra points. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's about, that is it. Yeah. He's like, throwing maybe it, Rodney McLeod. I was going to say maybe you could make a case for Rodney McLeod. But wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah. I mean that that it that's it. That's what Howie's telling uh, Lurie about what's wrong with the team right now. Yeah. Yep. They're all old. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not mentioning that part. <laughs> uh, all right, last one. Uh, Mike Groh was fired as offensive coordinator by his own father. Personal question, what job would your own father fire you from? Zach, do you have any insight on that, uh, that Groh firing? I, I covered it. <laughs> oh, okay, so what, ha- what happened? Here we go. Uh, yeah, so really bad off- offensive year. Um, Al Groh was on the hot seat. Uh, and it was one of those things where they made him kind of make the – I think it was part of him staying. If he was going to stay for another year, they needed to have a new offensive coordinator. Um, they uh, they brought in Greg Brandon, who had been the head coach at Bowling Green. He was, he was going to bring in a spread offense. Virginia had been running a pro offense. It really didn't work out. Their offense got uh, worse, actually. Uh, so that was not the – now, Mike Rowe's uh, time there – uh, was not very good, especially toward the end. So it, it, it did, did make sense for them to make a move. And But in, in Mike Rowe's defense, they had really bad quarterback play, like in terms of personnel. Their quarterback uh, got – the starting quarterback got kicked out off, off the team after the second week of the season. They were da- Their starter from the previous year was suspended. So they were down to the guy who was supposed to be like their third or fourth quarterback, and that's a hard situation in college football. Um, so that was kind of the background to it. I, I think it was a way for Al to coach another year. He got fired the following year in Mike Rowe's defense. Now, Mike Rowe doesn't need me to, to defend him, and I don't think he's been like 
an exceptional offensive coordinator. He rebuilt his coaching career. Uh, he went to Louisville. He went to Alabama. He went to the Bears. And he had success everywhere he went thereafter. So, uh, I mean, you can kind of criticize the nepotism at, at Virginia, if you will. But uh, I, I give him credit for rebuilding his, 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 his career thereafter. It's not a situation where he got fired and was never heard from him again. I think the right way to do it, if you are a son of a coach and want a job in coaching, is to go elsewhere and and uh, you know prove yourself a little bit. I know it's it's got to be cool to coach with your dad, but like do that eventually, you know. Yeah, um, and it, like you saw that with uh, Kyle Shanahan. I, I think his his dad had a, a stipulation. I was I was reading this where he he needed to be an offensive coordinator somewhere and have a top five offense uh, before oh, he worked for his dad. Really, and he did. He did that in Houston. Ooh, I like and that. And then, yeah, then then joined up with his dad, and he's had a lot of success as an offensive coordinator, and and now he has an undefeated team as a head coach. Oh, I, so like I like that. that. I like that stipulation, but it does also make it sound like Mike Shanahan Shanahan doesn't like his son and didn't want to work with him. <laughs> no, no, I think it's the opposite. Actually, <laughs> you can only uh, I, I, I Kyle, I, I would love you know how much I would love to work with you, but. You really, you know, I want, I'm going to set all these ten poles first. Until you break the record <laughs> for points scored in a season. <laughs> then you can come calling. I like that. Uh, what was the uh, second part of the question there? Uh, what is the one job that your dad would fire you from? I would say anything that has to do with, like, uh, with like fixing something. I, I'm, I'm not good at, at like, uh, I'm, I'm not a very handy person. This is not your do-it-yourself podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a handy person. Yeah, so. I mean, I would just quit. He would, be, <laughs> he would be like, "Why are you even showing up to this job? You have no chance of accomplishing anything." Uh, but if I if I actually wanted to stay, like the grow situation, uh, I don't think he would do me dirty like Al Grow. Mm. I think he would say either he stays or we're both out of here. We'll figure it out. That's kind of messed up. <laughs> it's a little messed up. Yeah, it's just staying at UVA. I would, I would imagine. I would. I would hope that it was like Mike falling on the sword and saying, "Like, Dad, you got to do this." Ah, uh, like a little. Well, I don't. I don't know. Can we do any succession spoilers here? Who's who's through it? I'm. I'm through it. Zach. Uh, I am not through it, but uh, okay. you can go on with the oh, spoilers. Okay. That's fine. That's okay, we'll wait. I think no, I think because our, our yeah. listeners might want it, so well they, they, they probably don't want it to be spoiled it. either. Yeah. All right. Uh, last thing, I, I you guys are going to be mad, but uh, you're both NBA fans. What are your NBA predictions? We're recording this on the opening day of the season. Shield, you first. I, I I've got very little. I, I mean, I'm going to be watching as it starts, but uh, I don't have a prediction for you. Wow, that was insightful. Well, listen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's, go ahead. No, no, I'll I'll, I'll defer to you, Bo. You first. No, I, I haven't thought about this either. <laughs> you think I think about the only thing, the, the things that are coming out of my mouth? I'll tell you what I'm going to be sick of. I'm going to be sick of uh, NBA uh, media calling David Griffin Griff all season. Okay. I'm going to be sick of people telling me that I should care about the Utah Jazz hmm. this season. I know that's right. And, Why shouldn't uh, you care about the Jazz this year? No, I mean, I, that's that's like an NBA uh, media Twitter like Twitter thing. Like, I have to care about the Jazz. They pick one team every year. They have to tell me I'm gonna. I have to care about them when I I just don't want to care. Like, I don't care about the Utah <laughs> Jazz. Don't tell me like I need to be in on this like hipster team. 
I, I like the I'm, I like the big names. I'm not ashamed of it. I like that. Uh, all right, so I'll I'll say that Zach's, I mean, Zach's has high expectations for the Utah Jazz this year. Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought the Conley trade was terrific. Um, I I thought adding Bogdanovich was was a, a real good pickup there. So I actually like this this Jazz team, but um, no, I mean that I I really like the squad that the Sixers have going into the season. Um, I, I think the East is is really the Sixers and the Bucks, uh, and then but. The, the I, I think the best team in basketball is the Nuggets probably, uh, but I will pick the Clippers to win the finals uh, because I, I think during the season you'll probably see like a, some load management stuff and Paul George is hurt going into the year. But come the playoffs, the, the way they'll be able to defend, the fact that they have like like obviously Kawhi can take over games and uh, what what Paul George gives them, and, and they could score with Lou Williams. They have underrated bigs and and Harrell. So, yeah, I'll I'll go with the Clippers winning it all this year. Who do you got? My only thing. I, my I'm o- looking at it now. I think I would say uh, Clippers. I will say Clippers over Bucks. I'll say bang the under on the Jazz. And I don't think the Warriors. Oh, thank are gonna, you under on the Jazz. And I don't think the Warriors are going to miss the playoffs like everyone thinks. That's what I would. My only, my only strong opinion is that everybody's, everybody's too low on the Warriors. I think. Yeah, I'm not I agree with that. I think, I think the Warriors are going to be just fine. I think Steph is is going to, uh, going to make everybody remember that he's probably the best player in the league. Oh. Yeah. Maybe. That's yeah, he's the one scoring titles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about what about your your Sixers? Where do you? You you have the Bucks in the finals, conference finals, conference Sixers, finals, conference. conference finals. I I'm picking them the finals. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I really like the Bucks. I'll but, make it uh, fun. I'll say the Sixers win it all. Oh, that's not yeah. true. They're not going to. They can't score on. They have no half court offense. <laughs> I uh, want it to Sixers be fun, Clippers. but I don't believe in it. Yeah, Sixers, yeah, Sixers, Clippers finals. All right, Clippers win it all. All right, that's all I got. That was that was what an hour forty five minutes, hour and a half. Jeez, oh my gosh, good stuff. I'll talk to you guys on Friday. Does this mean I don't have to watch the second half of the All Twenty Two or the Eagles? Well, you have to at least watch the Aguilar play. I did watch. Yeah, I've watched that one only about the four hundred seventy five times it's What'd come across my think? Twitter. I I never like to que- I can't believe we're still going. <laughs> I never like to question. <laughs> I never like to question a player's effort or. Uh, like whether they're playing hurt, toughness. Um, and I do, you know, everything they say in the building is that he works hard. And I don't know, it might just be that he's bad at tracking the ball. Uh, I still think, obviously, if you see it at the last second, but I also don't like fake effort. So, like, you know, so I don't know. If you felt like he had no shot at it, I don't know. He probably still should do. <laughs> I was all over the place there. That's fine. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think I speak for all uh, single, childless people when I say uh, go Nationals. How about that? <laughs> yeah. This this is probably the one thing that could have happened to get me to root for the Nationals. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, that'll do it for Zach and Shield. I'm Bo, and as always, we love you.